Please be seated. Man, that sounds particularly beautiful with the choir on the front couple rows. Like the amen is nuanced and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. Y'all could always sit up here if you want. Um, as we begin the, the, the sermon today, I'm going to call an audible, right? I'm going to change it, right? See the football reference? I know sort of what I'm talking about. Y'all are like, no, that's wrong. I'm going to change the scripture, okay? So I want you to go to a different scripture than what's printed in your bulletin. If you have your Bibles, it's Psalm 51. We're going to go to Psalm 51. And you're going to see how this works into where I saw God in the midst of our drought. This is Psalm 51, um, a psalm of David regarding the time Nathan the prophet came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And I want to read verses 1 through 12. Have mercy on me, O God. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we believe the the scripture that's actually in your bulletin is Acts chapter 14. And we believe, based on that scripture and others, that there is no place in the world that is bereft of the presence of God, that God has left evidence of his presence all over the world. And that's a beautiful thing because what that means is that we can meet God best when we're intentionally looking for God, when we come here to worship, that this is a great place to meet God. It means that God is not absent from the lives of other people, that God is speaking to other people even before they know that God is speaking to them. So that when we have a chance to say something, we're not going to be talking to them about a God that they've never seen, that there's going to be evidence even in their lives, even out on the lake, which is what we're talking about today, even elsewhere, where they will have seen God. And so I always challenge you as a kind of a fun thing, kind of a challenge for me, to send me to places where you want to know, where do I see God? Or, and I take people with me. Where do we see God in this place? So we went to the Lake Travis football game last week. Um, and this week, I thought, and some of y'all suggested, that we look for God in the drought. And so that would be looking for God in a difficult and painful spot. I thought there's no better weekend to do that than Labor Day weekend, right? Because Labor Day weekend is the weekend that all of us, if we had our druthers, would have a full lake and we would be out enjoying it, right? Instead, we're all here, right? When 11 o'clock is this packed, I mean, this side is a little iffy, but whoa, this side, right? On Labor Day Sunday, it's because we're in the middle of a drought and it's not so fun out on the lake anymore, right? I actually got, um, we have some folks who work at the LCRA and they gave me some flyovers of what the lake looks like. So if you are forgetting what the lake looks like, Um, let this remind you.
Okay, as you see this, tell me the words that come to mind. Sad. What else? Devastating or devastated, right? What else? Empty, dry, tragic, hurt, sick. Yes, we're on the same page. That's what I see too. And the challenge is, where is God in the midst of our hurt, of our dry, of our pain, of our sickness, of our devastation? And I want to tell you that I found God in a very real place. It's not necessarily a fun place, but it's a wonderful place to find God in the midst of our dryness, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our hurt and our devastation. Because the truth of this is that sometimes life looks like this. And when we see this, we can go, oh, I, I felt like that, or I am feeling like that. And so where is God in the midst of that? Let me tell you, humor me, and we'll come back, where God is in the midst of a landscape that looks like this. And let me tell you a kind of funny story. We were out actually on the lake um, a couple weeks ago with Judy and Paige on their boat. They have a pontoon boat, and the girls love it. We go to the Gnarly Gar. Have you all been to the Gnarly Gar? And you feed the fish, and they're, that, I mean, that's amazing. If you haven't been, you should go, because that's amazing. But we went to Aransas Bend, where there's a beach, um, and the girls were playing, and they were finding shells, and there's a lot of, well, you can see a lot more of the bottom of the lake than you used to, right? So you see a lot of trash. Anybody seen the trash? Everything from, you know, the beer bottles and Coke cans to coolers to tires to boats. Anybody else have anything interesting that the lake has coughed up that you've... Toilets, really? <laughs> yeah, because the truth is we really throw our trash down there and, and we cover it up, right? And then the water seeps away and all those bones come up to the surface. Well, so we were out there and um, we were on a Rans's Bend and there was this, it looked like a raft down the beach. And Judy said, I'm going to go look at that. And I said, I'm going to come with you. You know, opportunistic, right? What could that be? Well, we go over there and we see it's a giant tube, like you pull behind a boat. So giant you could fit five people in its heyday, in its glory days, you could have fit five people on it. If you put five people on it now, it would sink into the water. But it's giant, okay? I've never seen one that big. It's got 10 little rings that you could hold on to. Well, the girls see us and they're like, <coughs> you know, they come over and they start jumping on it and they're like, ew, it's gross, clean it off. And so we're like flipping this behemoth thing and cleaning it off. Well, they get on there and it floats with them on there. It wasn't that deflated, maybe like a third deflated. And so they're like, pull us around, pull us around, and you, you know, you still got the end of it. What, what had happened that I think made it unwanted was that it was peeling, like the skin that went over the tube was peeling, and so if you really pulled it, it would be like a banana and pop out, and so somebody, um, instead of taking it to a trash can, just set it free, right? It ended up there. Well, my kids were thrilled, and we pulled them around, and it took both Judy and I like pulling them all around around the spin, and then they were like, Mommy, Judy, tie us to the boat, you know? And being the responsible, mature adults that Judy and I are and Paige, um, we were like, that's a great idea. <laughs> so we found a rope, you know, it's not necessarily the right kind of rope, and we tied them to the boat, and y'all, we were not going that fast, you know, but it was kind of fun because they were sitting on the middle part, and when they first went in, it kind of drug them into the water, you know, how it's late, and so they backed up, and so they were safe, we were pulling them around the lake, and they're like, go faster, go faster, because they're used to a fully inflated tube if they do this, and we're like, we will, no, and so they're, they're planning on how, you know, we're kind of going around kind of lazy, and they're like, on a turn, I hear them talking, on a turn, let's let go. Okay. And you all know that when you turn with a tube, you know, you get some pretty wicked force flinging you off, you know, 
That's a different experience. Um, I'm like, I'm a kid again. I have a boo-boo on my elbow, but that's from a tube. Um, so anyway, you can get some pretty wicked force slinging off. And so that's what they're planning to take advantage of on a turn is to be flung off into the lake. And he, he, he. So as this is a drought story, so as we're making the one tricky turn of the whole thing, you know, as the G-forces are kicking and I've heard them talking, I see on the outside arc of the turn that my children are making, a tree is coming out of the water. In the dadgum middle of the lake, these sharp, pointy black branches are sticking out of the water. And my heart stopped. And all I could do, because I knew I can't stop the boat, we can't, anything we do and the children are going to let go as I was just sitting there praying, don't let go, don't let go, don't let go, don't let go. And they didn't let go. And I said, we're done. (laughs) That was in the middle of the channel where there should be 50 feet of water. That tree is now sticking up. One of the things that drought does is that dangerous things come out of the water. And a place that used to be safe and fun and where you could pull your kids around, it's not anymore when the water gets dry, when things go low. Here's my second story. I was out at my friend Max's lake house. Max is the pastor who married us, and he has a lake house on a steady lake, a constant lake, right? Never a problem. They all build boat docks that go into the ground, right? Can you imagine that? I mean, we have to, like, move ours out. (laughs) We can't do that. All of Max's, all of his neighbors, they all go into the ground, this lake. And the tragedy of this drought is that he is missing dozens of feet of water on his lake. And so when we went out to his dock, it's dry just dry. It's not even close to the water anymore. All of those boat docks around are dry. And as you look out at the lake, it is the ugliest. If you think our lake is ugly, Max's lake is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. It's the most desolate, um, despairing sight because all of these stumps are coming out of the middle of the lake, just like a swamp. So that even if you could, and nobody can get their boat out there because nobody has a movable dock. I'm like, let me tell you about the movable dock. (laughs) It's a reality, right? Um, In East Texas, they don't know that, though. And so even if you could get out there, you couldn't couldn't get a boat. Mike could take a little tiny kayak and go fishing, but there are so many stumps. And so we're sitting on this dry boat dock, and I'm sitting with my friend Max, who this has been his haven. This has been his retreat. And I'm thinking, what do I say? And I was just like, Max, I am so sorry, and gosh, I hope it rains soon. Let's pray for that. And he goes, actually, let's not. And I was like, now Max is a campus minister, so I was like, ha, 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 you know, you've made a funny joke. Kevin and I are chuckling. He goes, no, I'm dead serious. He said, this is, this is an opportunity. For what? I mean, like, what opportunity is here? And he said, Laura, Kevin, you remember when we used to come out here, how I had to be so careful in my boat the places I could take you, you know, or any of the kids skiing, that there were always these dangers lurking under the water. He said, do you remember how many propellers I lost to these stumps that were under the water that we knew they're there, but we can't, we can't see them. We can't remove them. When they made the lake, they didn't cut them off short enough. He said, it's always been a problem. And now the water is gone. He said, I see the problem. He said he's been trying to work with these homeowners around the lake and convince them that this drought is actually a beautiful opportunity because now the danger is visible. And this is their chance to pool their resources and hire somebody to come get those things out of their lake. 
get out with a chainsaw. They don't need a dive team anymore. They're all visible. They can see them. Go chop them down. He said, I hope I can convince them. This is our chance. Before the rains come, before the, the lake fills back up again, this is our chance to change the landscape forever. So you ask me, where do I see God as the water drains away and it's dry and it's desperate and it's awful and all of the trash of our lives, the toilets and the boats and the beer cans and the dangerous trees start coming up, the lake coughs them up. I see my life. I see your life. I see the landscape of our souls. And the truth is we are the same way. On the good days, when we're all full and everything's fine and happy, we have all the patience in the world, we, we are like immune to sins, and then drain it away, and we have a dry day or a dry week or a dry year, and the landscape of our soul changes, and all of a sudden, all of the ugly stuff comes out. I was um, driving on 71 and it was, I don't know why it was busy this, this day, because school wasn't back in. It was just like a week or so ago. Um, and s- you know how 620 backs up at 71 sometimes? It just totally stacked up. This was the worst I'd ever seen it. Where you couldn't even turn, and like the people turning left from, coming from our way, um, turning left onto 620, um, they couldn't get across the street. Like they'd have to block the intersection. And so what do you do if the traffic is backed up and not going to move, and you've got a yellow light? What do you do in that point? in that situation. Wait, right? That's what you should do. I was coming from the Galleria. I was back in a huge line of traffic, you know, and we're waiting to go home, go down 71. When this group of cars turns into this blocked intersection and sits there. And so the light cycle turns green for us and we can't go. And here's the worst part of it turns green, I'm ready to get home. It's been that kind of a day, right? I got the kids. They've not been having the greatest day in the world either, so that drains your lake a little bit. And so I'm sitting at that light, and I'm calling my mom because I, mom has called me. I need to call her back. And right when the phone picks up, that bozo turned out and blocked the intersection. I'm like, that idiot. I can't believe he's doing that. And I realize I'm leaving a message for my mom that says, I can't believe that. I was like, um sorry, mom, I'm driving and I'm calling you and someone just blocked me and I'm mad. And so I hope you're doing well, mom. It's, <laughs> you know, and I was so embarrassed and I thought, you know, that is what happens to all of us sometime. And it doesn't always happen in secret that our lake runs dry and the stumps come out. We get to deal with it in private. Sometimes it happens very publicly. And all of a sudden we show something of our character that we're horrified by and that horrifies us that somebody else knows about us. And what I would encourage us in, as we have this time of drought to do is, is instead of seeing the horror of it, see the opportunity. And when we have the drought in our own souls, instead of seeing the terror of it, look at that and say, okay, so it's been a hard day, it's been a hard week. So the money's tight or the relationship is strained or I've lost somebody I loved. And now all the stumps are coming out. So do I want to keep them? Or is it time to get rid of them? Is it time to get this sin out of my life? Stop being angry or jealous or succumbing to temptation or whatever it is. It's time to get rid of that, y'all. And if your life is dry right now, I'm telling you one of the good things is you might be able to see some stumps. 
so that when the water comes back, that evil is not lurking below the surface. It's gone. You're clean. Now, this, is, this happened to David. This is the scripture I read to you. David was in that boat, no pun intended, or sort of a pun intended. I was like, yeah, he's in the boat. He was the king. He was a warrior. And at this point in his life, when he succumbs to sin and temptation, he was dry, ironically, because there were no more battles that needed him to be a warrior. And there were no more decisions, huge decisions that needed him to be a king. He was actually bored. That's why the water ran out of his life as boredom. It was because he didn't have stress and he was used to it. And so in that boredom, he started watching the women bathe. And when he did that, he saw one that he really liked. And he was the king after all. So he sent for her and he slept with her. She eventually got pregnant. And so then he had to cover it up. And that's what he tried to do first, cover it up, cover the stump up. And so he tried to get her husband to come home. He was on the front lines. He was actually one of David's um, 30 most trusted commanders, warriors. Uriah was his name. But he couldn't get Uriah to sleep with his wife, so he couldn't get the stump covered up that, that Bathsheba was pregnant. So he, um, he had Uriah killed in battle. Done. A year passes on, or some amount of time. They have the baby. Everything's fine. And Nathan the prophet comes from God to say, there is something not right in your life. Big not right in your life. And David sees the evil that he has done and the person that he is becoming and that huge malignant thing growing in his soul. And what I love about him is he does not look away. He had tried to cover it up, and he, he's the king. So an option would have been for him to say, kill that prophet. Anybody else says anything to this, about this to me, and you're dead too. And that's the end of it. He's the king. He can make that happen. But the reason we call David a man after God's own heart is because he did not look away. He hated what he saw of himself, but he saw it. And so what he says to God, I love this psalm, Psalm 51. It's his cry for help. It's a cry from the dryness. It's a cry of him seeing himself and saying, I hate this. And I, please, restore me. Make me new. Only you can do that, God. So look at what he says in um, the first verses. Have mercy on me because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me. We've all felt that. Like there is no way to make this landscape look better except by God. And so David is saying, God, I'm not looking away, but please, will you remove this? Will you make me clean so that when you see me, this isn't a part of it anymore? This sin is gone, it's removed. Look at what else he says. He says, Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Please take this stump out. What did Max say? This drought is an opportunity because we can see the danger now. We can see the problem and we have a chance to do something about it. What did David say? I see it. God, you blot it out. He wasn't praying for a rain to cover it back over and let it live and underneath the surface and still be there when the next dry time comes. He was saying, 
Lord, help me get rid of it. Take it out of my life so that no more would this be a part of who I am. And that's where I see God in the drought. I see our chance. And so every time you see trash coming out or a toilet or one of those dangerous trees sticking out of the lake, I want you to remember that God can bring good out of the dry times. And one of those good things is God can remove the dangers, the sins, the things that shackle us, the things that embarrass us and humiliate us, and the things that we don't want to be anymore, God can get rid of those. And the dry times are the best time. I know you don't want more on your shoulders in a hard time, but the dry times are the best time. And so when you go out on the lake and you see the dangers and you see the dryness, look into your own heart too. Say, what's there that doesn't need to be? And pray like David. Lord, take this away. Forgive me. And get out that chainsaw with God and chop that baby down. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would be with us. With us when our lives are full and we are rejoicing. We thank you for those times when we celebrate and we look out over a landscape of plenty. But Lord, when things are broken and we are dry, when we're exhausted and we're despairing and we see parts of ourselves that horrify us, then we ask for your forgiveness and for your strength, that you are the great healer of our lives, Lord, that you are the one who can truly remove those things, those sins, that even a landscape with a thousand stumps you can make clean. And so we pray for your help, Lord. We pray for your forgiveness and your mercy. Help us to be people with clean hearts, just like David prayed. And help us to find that power to be people with clean hearts in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.